from Montana for Montana. It's Voices of Montana. Hi, I'm Tom Schultz, host of the program. Thanks for clicking on the podcast. Please subscribe and please contact me here for show suggestions or comments at Tom at VoicesOfMontana.com. Well, it is 2023 convention time. 2023 represents the 139th time the Montana Stock Growers Association has gathered to talk things over, to work on a plan, to deal with the issues that they're dealing with. And you know what? Um, those issues change kind of from year to year, but a lot of them are, are the same, too. You're dealing with predation. You're dealing with regulation. You're dealing with markets. Uh, you're dealing with, uh, you know, on the other side, you're dealing with family issues as well. And you're dealing with community issues. And um, a lot of work gets done here at the annual convention. We're happy to be here as well. Let me tell you a bit later on, John Grandy will join us. He's the president of the Montana Stock Growers Association. We'll go back to school. We'll go to the M-Bar Academy. It might not be what you think, okay? M, it's, it's different. It's a different sort of bar uh, that we need training on out in the field. And today we'll also talk with the head of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, Colin Woodall. We are live from the annual convention of the stock growers here on Voices of Montana. Hey, it's a Friday. I'm glad to have you alongside. Only two more working days this week. We'll keep hanging in there. Uh, thanks for joining us. Two decades strong and working on three. It is from Montana for Montana. Voices of Montana, as I mentioned here, live from the stock growers uh, convention and trade show. I mean, it takes two huge hotels in Billings, Montana. Montana to house all of this and a lot of activity going on a lot of fun here to to come to as we'll talk a bit later on with uh, Colton Coffee Dr. Coffee uh, which is a pretty good uh, morning tag I think Dr. Coffee will join us talk more about the M-Bar Academy John Grandy is alongside as well president of the uh, Montana Stockholders Association very uh, much honored and it's a pleasure to welcome and get to know Colin Woodle who's the CEO of the NCBA the National Cattlemen's Beef Association good morning sir Tom, great to be with you, and thanks for having me on the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming in. You're doing a keynote speech here in about an hour. Uh, you, you look pretty calm for a guy who's going to speak to hundreds of people here. Maybe you've done it before. We're ready to go. These yeah. are issues that we work on every single day at NCBA. So being able to talk about that to the members of the stock growers here is always uh, a tremendous opportunity to make sure that they understand what we are doing in Washington, D.C. to protect their rights. What are you doing? Oh, boy, that's a long <laughs> list. Well, let's go ahead and start with uh, a couple of the big wins that we have. You know, yeah. the environmental concerns are ones that continue to hit us as cattle producers. Every time we turn around, somebody is coming after us, claiming that we are degrading the environment. In fact, as we're sitting here talking in Billings, over in Dubai, COP28 is going on. This is the world global meeting where they're talking about climate change. And I can guarantee you that the conversations are focused squarely on methane and also our role in methane production. So we have to continue to tell our story. But it's not always a, a, a problem for us because we know that we are part of the solution. We're not part of the problem because when you look at U.S. greenhouse gas emissions, Tom, we are only 2% of those emissions. That's not going to change the course of climate change one way or the other, regardless of what you think about climate change. 2% is not going to do that. And we have to make sure that we're always telling the story about the fact that we are protecting green space. We are taking a feedstuff 
forage that is of no use to us as humans, we're turning it to high-quality protein. Nobody else can talk about that other than us in uh, the cattle business and other ruminants. And so that is a great story that we are sharing. Well, and it's, it's a very important here as well because in that context, there's only been one narrative uh, when it comes to uh, climate change and greenhouse gases. And uh, uh, over the past decade, I think, or maybe it's even the past five years, a lot more pushback on that single narrative. And um, I- I'm suspecting that I'm hearing it more and more from parties um, who are advocating for a real, maybe extreme position there, that, I don't know, um, are, are they recognizing um, so, some of these um, you know, troubles? Are they recognizing the, the stewardship um, that is our, our farmers and our ranchers? They are recognizing Good. the stewardship. And the reason why I say that is go back and look at Inauguration Day when President Biden signed many executive orders, but one of those was on climate change. At that point in time, I was not so sure that we would be able to protect ourselves from greenhouse gas gas emissions. Here we are almost three years into the administration and we do not have greenhouse gas emissions on top of us. And the reason why is we have been able to go to the White House, to EPA, USDA, tell this very same story and also talk about our role in mitigating wildfires because of our ability to get out there and uh, eat down that, that fuel. And that has resonated with this administration. It resonates with Congress and it's starting to resonate with the global uh, opinions of climate change. And so uh, I'm feeling really good about the progress we've made there. I'm glad to hear that because uh, that kind of confirms what I'm I'm thinking is that pushback is starting to take a little bit. You've got to keep working on that. Um, you guys do that from a pretty effective standpoint uh, with, with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, been recognized for um, your staff uh, in being an efficient lobbying group as well. Um, what are some of the other issues? I know you talked about wins. Waters of the U.S. was a win, but as I'm understanding, it's it's not a done deal. You've got to keep in that back. Too, huh? Waters of the United States, we have made tremendous progress there because we've been able to protect private property rights, especially here in Montana. Because under the original rule, we were looking at what was called the significant nexus test. Now, what that basically means is if a raindrop that falls on a cattle operation here could potentially, possibly make its way into the Missouri, into the Mississippi, and ultimately to the Gulf, then we could be held liable for water quality. There's just no way you can control that. And it was going to be a major impact on our private property rights. So the Supreme Court ruled in favor of our position, and they have scaled that back. Now, we still have an issue of ephemeral or seasonal streams that cross state lines, and whether or not we can protect those, that's our next challenge and one that we are engaging in some lawsuits on right now to be able to finalize. Colin Woodall is with us again, the CEO of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. General Session 2, keynote speaker here in just a little, a little bit. What other issues are you, you bringing? And, and another question I'd like to ask is, what do you want to take away from the folks here in Montana? You know, one of the things about working for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association is we do represent the entire industry across the United States. We have members in all 50 states, all 50 states, but cattle production is not the same in all 50 states. So one of the things that we like about engaging in meetings like this is to be able to find out what's on the mind of local producers. What are the local issues that we need to make sure that NCBA is tackling? And of course, when you look at some of the bigger national issues, the farm bill remains high on the list, Tom. We have a farm bill that expired at the end of September. It has been extended for additional year. For us, our number one priority is to maintain funding for the foot and mouth disease vaccine bank. FMD is a highly contagious viral disease that at some point in time we imagine we will see again here in the United States. And that vaccine bank needs to be in place to try to protect us. So that's why we need to get this farm bill done as quickly as possible. Is it suspect then? 
Uh, you know, it, it is it has got a, a lot of bipartisan support, and that's okay. what we like about this okay. because it is a bipartisan issue. This is just a matter of getting it finalized, and gotcha. so then it's the bigger issue of how quickly can we get a farm bill done? Because if you think about the one year extension, that puts the uh, current or the the next expiration at September thirtieth of twenty twenty four. That's only six weeks before election day. Yeah, you have done us a, a little bit again. Colin Woodall is with us. Um, worked for John Cornyn, uh, senator in Texas as well, and you've been in this seat for a number of years is it different is it different now than it was 10 years ago you know it is different i think about when i first started as a staffer on capitol hill there was still a lot of bipartisan work to try to find solutions to issues Uh, things have definitely gotten more polarized all you have to do is turn on the tv today read the newspaper listen to the radio and you see that and it is it is something that has impacted us because as an association, we have to work with both sides. We can't choose Democrats over Republicans right. or vice versa. We have to make friends across the board mm-hmm. because we need their support, whether it's a member of Congress from Montana or whether it's a member of Congress from uh, Manhattan in New York City. All of them have some sort of impact from us as cattle producers, whether it is raising the cattle in Montana or eating the beef in Manhattan and telling that story and trying to get our point across is uh, is difficult. But that's why we have an office in Washington, D.C. We're working on this every single day. An issue that's come up here in Montana and uh, elsewhere as well, uh, our governor signed uh, a letter and sent it off to BLM with representatives um, from western states here uh, discussing how BLM seems to be, as they put it in that letter, um, a growing pattern of um, excluding uh, all the stakeholders that would have a stake in public lands. There's a conservation rule they're making some changes to, they're proposing, uh, that have um, have not gone, have not been vetted. Uh, what, what's your take on that? How, how do you uh, alter that situation in the current administration? So grazing is one of the multiple uses allowed on federal lands. We have a right to be there to graze these lands. As we talked about earlier, having cattle on the lands is of benefit, especially when you talk about wildfire mitigation on public lands in particular. But we know that the range health is better with cattle on there. This conservation rule... How do we know that? How do we know that? The the studies show that. When you look at how a cloven-hooved animal goes through the land and helps kind of break up that soil, we know that that helps with water absorption. We know that that helps with uh, overall reseeding. We also know that when that plant is grazed, it grows back uh, even more healthy. So so we have the data, the facts that are there that have been studied, and not studied by NCBA, but studied by researchers at universities who have been able to uh, quantify that. So we can show the benefit of us being on the land. We also know that recreation is a multiple use. We know that there are other multiple uses, but this conservation rule is saying that conservation will be the primary use. And if you are not compatible with conservation, then you are not going to be allowed to stay on the land. Now, we say that we are absolutely compatible with conservation with everything I just shared with you. But the definition under this rule is for anything that restores or protects. We think that they have created that to go against us as grazers. So this very well, if it moves forward, could force us off of these BLM grazing leases. So that's why we are fighting this, uh, working with Congress to make sure that we can shut this down. How goes that battle? 
You know, it, it is still going, okay. uh, and this administration is very focused on uh, the environmental community more so than yeah. the agriculture community. But as I said, we have a lot of friends in Congress, uh, even Democrats, who understand the role that we play in taking care of these federal lands. So we're optimistic we're going to be able to get this adjusted in a way that protects us, but we still have work to do. What do you think of the markets here? Uh, I know that um, a lot of people, are, they've got this frown line on their forehead, kind of think about what what the markets are going to do. Um, what's your take on them? When you look at what we've seen with the national herd, having the lowest herd in almost 60 years, uh, everybody has been talking about how the markets were going to get good and continue to get good, and we saw that up until a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and then just absolutely ended up in the ditch. And everybody's still trying to analyze that and figure out what's going on and try to uh, hope that we are getting near a bottom. Uh, the question is, what what more can we tolerate here? Because we, we as cattle producers, we as cow, calf, and feeders in particular, we need a couple of good years in order to be able to rebuild our coffers and protect ourselves. So if we can't, uh, if we can't see a bottom in this market pretty quick, things are going to get ugly fast. And so that's why we continue to talk to our friends in Congress, talking with the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, also the CME, to make sure we can explore every option possible to uh, get this thing corrected and identify what the influence is. Colin, I, I appreciate Appreciate you being here as well. Again, with this keynote speech, um, I don't want to miss anything. What are some of those uh, key points that we might uh, you'll be talking about here? And again, um, what do you want to take away from Montana? Yeah, you know, Tom, here's one thing that uh, probably is unexpected, but I want everybody to realize that when you really boil this down, we're in the fun business. And people don't think about that <laughs> because it's rarely fun to... Uh, be in the cattle business. When you talk about the markets, where right, it's yeah. too hot, it's too dry, it's too wet, um, it, 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 there's always a challenge here. But when it comes down to it, Americans don't go out and celebrate with a boneless, skinless chicken breast. They celebrate with a steak. And Montana beef is the answer to that steak. And that's what we're going to make sure that everybody understands. That while there's a lot of challenges out there, there are some tremendous opportunities. And we are out there making sure Americans have fun. Morning, noon, and night, uh, I got beef on the table. Uh, or if, if it's on the table, I'm not passing it up, I'll tell you that. Thank you, Colin. Appreciate that. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, Colin Woodle again, CEO of the NCBE, National Cattlemen's Beef Association. John Grandy will join us next. He's the head of this one here in Montana, the Montana Stock Growers. We're at their two, uh, 2023, the 139th Annual Convention and Trade Show going on here in Billings, Montana. It's from Montana for Montana, Voices of Montana. It's easy not to think about food security when there's food on the table. But right now, one out of 10 Montanans is hungry. When families don't have adequate access to nutritious food, that takes a very real toll on people's health. This is why Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Montana partners with Montana Food Bank Network. Our interest at Blue Cross is we want the state, whether a member or not, to have adequate supply, access, composition of the food that they're able to get. Learn more at BigBlueSkyInitiativeMT.com. Like I say, uh, there's it's such a big convention and trade show. It takes up two of the largest hotels in Montana, for that matter. They're uh, centered in Billings, Montana right now. We're at the Doubletree for the Montana Stock Growers Annual Convention here. 139th, John Grandy joins us now, president of the organization. John, you know when you say 139th, and, and, and when you stepped into the mantle, I think it was last year, uh, did, did that weigh on you a little bit? I don't know if it weighs on me. I guess there is a responsibility to, to carry the torch and keep it moving forward. Yeah. 
But I mean, I, I guess I look at it more as just such a privilege to be part of that legacy, of keeping moving it forward. And it, it's uh, maybe it weighs on you, but I think it's just more of an honor. Yeah, and, and it's uh, 139 years as well. I was just, you know, and you had a chance to chat and listen here as Colin Woodle uh, with the National NCBA um, talked about a, a lot of issues, and and you guys are facing a ton of issues here as well. But um, how how has it been for you? Now you're a producer in Martinsdale. Just talk about how it's been for you, and maybe the rest of our uh, cattlemen and cattlewomen's community well by and large pretty darn good this year you know how a lot of the state's been in drought for several years most of the state with some exceptions most of the state had much better moisture this year we've had grass we've had uh, good hay crops and, and and just as colin was saying the markets have been really good you know we had a little hiccup here since the october cattle on feed report but by and large that's been positive and for for most Folks, it's a pretty darn good year. I know that um, in Montana specifically, more so than maybe other egg communities, we're dealing with predation. And uh, there's a, a plan to introduce grizzly bears into the Cascades. Um, the NCBA has been opposed to that, uh, and they have not yet um, taken the grizzly bear off the list, I think, in recovered areas like the Continental Divide and the Yellowstone. Um, what are you guys seeing some movement there? Are you seeing some ability, perhaps, to get um, get that predation problem handled? Well, I, I'm not sure, Tom, because it's yeah. a huge thing. And, and, and even on the other species, I mean, many areas in the state, the coyote population coyotes is just ones. crazy. Yeah. We've got an incredible number of coyotes. But, you know, it's interesting looking at the, the grizzly situation. I'm backing up a little bit. When Colorado talked about introducing wolves into Colorado, their fish and game department actually contacted Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, and they came to us and said, well, what do you think about us trapping wolves and sending them to, to Colorado? And your immediate response is, great, you know, get rid <laughs> get of these of wolves, here. you know. <laughs> and, and when you stop and think about it, it's like, no, any wolves we ship down there, it's not going to affect what we have here. We're just creating a problem for our, for our friends down in Colorado. Introducing the grizzly into the northern Cascades is exactly the same issue. Anything that goes there from Montana, it's it's not going to change how we deal with grizzlies. It's just creating a problem for those people in Washington. So, so yeah, we can continue to stand opposed to that. How are you guys dealing with coyotes? Uh, and, uh, maybe not you guys, but how is the state or how are we dealing with coyotes to this problem, uh, to this point where we're having an issue with it. well part of it of course the problem is just the 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 free market at work in the sense that these these hides are worth next to nothing there was more incentive for people to trap and shoot them if they could sell that hide for something and that value has gone down so much so yeah we're continuing to make sure the environment is there and the ability to trap and hunt these coyotes and everything and and there's actually been some litigation on that reason not on coyotes but on wolves you know uh, a ruling just recently to shut down trapping and snaring of wolves because of the risk of catching a grizzly in a wolf trap which happened once like in 2013 and hasn't happened since then but nevertheless there was brought a suit to that would in order to protect the grizzly we need to stop wolf trapping there's a possibility of even that hasn't been expanded to coyotes yet but there's been discussion of it and uh, that's something we're going to take a very active role in to make sure that that doesn't happen uh, john grandy is with us again the president of the uh, montana stock growers association as we're live from their annual meeting and convention well, uh, 
again, any anything that um, you know off of what Colin uh, Woodall, the NCBE NCBA CEO, I got to have that written down, <laughs> or it's, it's going to get jumbled up in there. Um, that he was talking about uh, grazing leases in Montana. Uh, there's there's more than just that conservation issue. Uh, there's there's and our governor our governor has noted that um, it seems like the federal government is not including all the stakeholders in some of these big decisions. How do you get in there? Well, not only stakeholders. One of the things that bothers us is in Montana, like in a lot of western states, we think we have a pretty darn good working relationship with our state BLM people. And we talk to them, and we've got good people at the state BLM, and we like working with them. And when rules like this conservation leasing comes out, we're commenting on those rules the BLM state office is commenting on those rules just the same as we are. Nobody in Washington, D.C. asked them their opinion any more than they asked my opinion or your opinion. You know, they're at the same level, and, and that's see. just not right. Those people should be involved in, in writing those things. And when you go and look hmm. at this conservation rule specifically, when you ask them, when they talk about some certain things they're trying to do under that, say, well, that sounds pretty good. But then I ask them, well, can you do that right now without a conservation lease? And they say, well, yeah, we can, and we are. We're doing some of these things. They don't need the conservation leasing to do some of the productive things they're trying to do. It gets tiring, doesn't it? It, it does get tiring, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, we're working on that you know, almost constantly. But uh, on a brighter note, it's a little different subject, but kind of in the same area. You know, I think one area where we have made progress is in kind of butting our heads between the industry and what we call environmental groups. And I see the environmental groups changing between, and this is just me, but what I would call the true environmentalists that are really seriously concerned about resources and those that just have some other agenda, whether it's anti-business or whatever it is. And there's some of those groups that we're just never going to see eye to eye with. But there's a whole lot of them that we have much better working relationships with because they want what's truly best for the resource and they know that we can be a valuable partner. So in many cases, we're working closely together now. And, and a lot of these groups, it's it's not 100%. You, you name almost any one of these groups and I can name areas where we agree and there's probably some we don't agree in some areas. But by and large, that relationship is just so much better if we recognize that we want the same thing. I'm very encouraged to hear that because in my mind I have a suspicion that um, I, I call it pushback, but uh, there's been a one-sided narrative uh, an awful lot when it comes to issues on the farm and ranch and, and that, that one-sided narrative is not the farmers and ranchers' viewpoint so to speak, uh, especially in environmental um, law and things like that. I, I think that's changing a little bit because when you're pushing back, you've got good data to push back with. We have good data and, and uh, as Colin referred to, there's still some of these things Things like the stuff coming out of the, United, the UN study that has been absolutely disproven, but people still keep coming up with that uh, that same disproven uh, wording about you know our, our carbon creation, methane emissions, and everything. But but on a lot of areas in in grazing, we do have good good data and a lot that tells our story, and people recognize that, and that's why a lot of these groups are saying. You know, the best way to really take care of the resource is to work cooperatively with the farmers and ranchers. And and uh, how long is that? Um, how when did you start seeing that shift, John? Um, was there an issue uh, that 
uh, anything comes to mind where you guys said we're putting differences aside? Uh, maybe it just happened incrementally. I don't know. That's a great question. I can't think of one issue. I, I think it's happened incrementally, uh, although you could probably point to a whole lot of different areas where, and, and there again, it doesn't usually happen on the national scale. It's people on the landscape. You know, I, I think this is not a great example, but more recently, in the crazy mountain area where they were worried about access and the local people there got together the the ranchers and the recreations and different people and said let's let's try to work here at the yeah. local level to come up with a solution and I, I mean that's not one big instance that drove the whole narrative but i think it's a lot of different examples like that that happen on a local level that's made the incremental change. I think that's a, a good example of that, too. John Grandy, again, with us here, the annual convention and trade show for the stock growers here in Billings, Montana. Uh, uh, kind of want to just understand the health of the herd. Uh, as uh, Colin had said, uh, that it, nationally, it's our, our lowest herd um, numbers. And But, but w- what do you make of that? I know we went through um, some hard hard summers and hard winters in montana that had an impact on that it had a huge impact and and what's different is quite often these things are pretty specific you get a drought in your area and you have to go 100 miles away from home to buy hay the last few years I, i mean there were people in montana buying hay out of kentucky and tennessee i mean the drought is so widespread that it's this huge and now most again there's pockets but most of montana is healed up the rest of the country can't say the same thing. There's still parts of Nebraska, Iowa, Texas, a lot of places that are pretty dry. So when we've got this small cow herd, the economic incentive is there that we should be rapidly rebuilding the herd. A lot of areas still haven't recovered from the drought, so they they don't have the, the feedstuffs to rebuild the herd. And the other issue being, you know, higher interest rates and higher input costs there's a lot of folks say well this economic incentive says i should be rebuilding the herd but boy i want to heal up and pay down some debt or do some different things so so we're not seeing that herd rebuilding yet which is unfortunate on the one hand but it it on the other hand, it does create that smaller cow herd for several years, so we should have some good years ahead of us. Good. That's, that's good to hear. We've got about a minute left here. Um, I was speaking with uh, a gentleman from Baker, Cameron Wollent. Uh, Wollent? Uh, how do you say oh, it? I, I was well, in trouble with Cameron. Wollentes. Wollentes. Anyway, um, he was talking about how important uh, it is at this time of year to get together and have the camaraderie and talk about these issues. What do you want your cattlemen and cattlewomen to get out of this conference? Well, you know, some of it, I, I almost hesitate to say this, but it's just attitude. It's good to come together and, and, and discuss our problems and try to find a path forward on the things that need resolution, but also to kind of give each other a slap on the back and say, you know, a lot of things are going right. And, and Colin talked about this market, you know, where that market was going up, 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 up. And then after that cattle on feed report, it, it's just kind of, dropped off and and there's a whole lot of technical reasons for that and fundamental reasons but some of us we kind of just got to get our mojo back we got to turn around say wait a minute things aren't as bad as maybe we think and we got to turn this thing around and it will i like that um the m bar academy will be up next is dr coffee will join us john grandy thanks man it's good to see you always good to be here Tom. Yeah, yeah yeah take care we're back with more voices here live from the stock growers annual convention in billings montana on voices of montana 
colder. Have you tried that place in Bozeman, the Sapphire Motel? There this week. Friendly front staff, parking right in front of my room, modern amenities, and budget friendly with that ag rate. Ag rate? Yeah, the ag rate at the Sapphire Motel. A discounted rate for ag folks attending conferences, 4-H, or other events in Bozeman. Close to I-90, downtown, and Montana State. Go Cats! And a go on that ag rate. The Sapphire Motel, down-home comfort in a classic motor inn. 310 North 7th in Bozeman. Thank you for being here. Appreciate that. It is a Friday, so there's always something exciting about that. Uh, big weekend up going here uh, for uh, as uh, basketball gets going. Uh, welcome again. It's Tom Schultz alongside from Montana for Montana. Voices of Montana live from the Stock Wars annual convention. Uh, 19, what was it? Uh, 18, it's 139 years, so I, I can't even do the math on that. <laughs> Andy, Andy Schwab is with us here to uh, a colleague with the Northern Broadcasting System. We should be hearing from Colton Coffee in just a little bit and andy uh oh and, and colton no 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 no. go ahead sit down sit down uh colton just stand by uh, colton uh showed up now and he's with the Embar academy and we'll it's dr coffee for that matter we'll chat with him here in, in just a little bit um jerry dellis jerry dellis thank well. you from producer partnership i have been such a fan of producer partnership i really have thank you for being here why don't you give us an update uh, you guys um actually have grown and you've managed that growth with a lot of help from around the state haven't and we're certainly very, very proud of our numbers for the year. Um, since the beginning of our existence, we've donated over 250,000 pounds of protein across Montana. That goes to um, food banks, it goes to shelters, it goes to some schools. So far this year, from about June on, we're about at 105,000 pounds of protein donated. So it's a, a big impact in our state. And, you know, our goal is to eventually end hunger in Montana. We know that one in 12 Montanans face food insecurity. We know that over 35,000 kids are in food insecure homes. And so, you know, we've got the ability to change that. And we meet, you know, the connections that we make here. And just the threads that we can weave in this industry is so very important to our ability to carry out our mission. And your mission started just as a way to help people. And this is what I like about your story in that you didn't think about where you were going to be in 2023 or 2024. You just took it one step at a time. Talk about producer partnership and that that story, Jerry. So Matt Pearson is a fifth-generation Montanan. He is the owner, operator, he and his wife, Chris, of Highland Livestock Company. It was during COVID and Matt was getting ready to call a cow. And he called the Livingston Food Bank and said, what have you got on your shelves for protein? And she said, I've got four pounds. And so Matt, you know, does what Matt does. And he went to about seven ranchers. And within a couple of weeks, uh, those shelves on the Livingston Food Bank were full with protein. And it was, you know, COVID was a, a real bear for all of us. We know that. We were isolated. People were losing their jobs. They weren't working. And that was how the producer partnership was born. And again, you know, we always talk about connections and we always talk about helping and we always talk about the the ripple effect that we can have. And we help producers too. You know, if a producer has got a cull animal and they don't want to, you know, dispose of it on their property, they don't want to take it to the auction, feel good about your donation. We'll coordinate the pickup, the delivery. We've got 11 auction sites across Montana that we work with. 
and we make it easy. That producer gets a tax benefit letter um, for equal to the amount of protein that they've donated. We pay for the processing, and so it's a win, and it's neighbors helping neighbors, and definitely something good that came out of COVID. We're very, very proud of that yeah. because not yeah. a lot came out of COVID you know, that was good. <laughs> yeah, and this continues to grow, too, and I know mm-hmm. you guys have got a USDA-approved facilities now, right. and that's, that was a huge step. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, are you still uh, – and you've got room for more expansion, that's too. Right. But uh, are, are you kind of planning that? Is it getting to that point? Or? Well, that's a, a great question, and always, you know, we're always moving. We are the nation's first and only USDA, federally inspected, nonprofit um, processing, owned and operated processing facility. Um, we just – got our composting building built and so now we're waiting for our composter so we'll be able to use the entire animal instead of taking the offal someplace else we'll use everything from that animal so we'll be able to compost that we'll be able to sell the fertilizer and again we're going to help our neighbors you're getting montana beef on the tables all around the state that's through this right. process as well that's right and it's yeah. it's not i mean it's an animal that there's nothing wrong with the animal no. It's just they're not going to get top dollar for it. We don't want a blue ribbon steer. Yeah. We'll take the culls, and we know that that cull rate is high in Montana. Let's keep that beef in Montana. Let's feed our neighbors. Let's feed our kids. One of the things that we're real proud of is that if you donate an animal, you can tell us where you want that animal to go. If you're in a, you know, Joliet, Montana just had a great donation from the Pattersons and that went to their school. So yeah. those kids are going to get nutritious Montana beef. They're going to go to basketball practice on a full stomach because they've just had nutritious protein from a, a cow that was raised just down the road. And we would love to see more Montana beef in schools. It's You guys, it's a beautiful story. It's a shining story. It thank really you. is. So yeah, thank you proud. guys for what you do. Yeah, Thank you. And I know Mac gets stuff done. So Well, that's uh, our, you know, <laughs> we've got GSD on our cups. I know. And, you know, we always <laughs> like that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. we really appreciate you guys being a good partner with us. And you've been so gracious about helping us tell our story. And we certainly appreciate that effort. And we really, really do. Well, we're very um, Kind. Count on that Thank from, you. from our folks that are here to help. How do people get a hold of you? Uh, Matt's number is 406-220-7223. He's the guy that coordinates everything. I'm just in the background. Yeah, Jerry, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's Producer Partnership. Again, they're mm-hmm. based out of Livingston and, mm-hmm. and Matt Pearson. Uh, our yeah. thanks, yeah. Thank you. We'll take a break and come on back. Okay. And uh, Dr. Coffee is with us here. We'll talk about the M-Bar Academy here live again from the 129th, 139th, Man, do the math on that. The annual convention and trade show for the stock growers. Back after this, from Montana for Montana, it's Voices of Montana. Looking to start the new year off right? As a woman and a mother, I am constantly thinking about how to eat better for my family and myself. I'm Heather Fryer, and that's why I'm part of Team Beef Montana. Team Beef is a group of beef-loving fitness enthusiasts supported by over 10,000 cattle ranchers across Montana. Being a part of Team Beef means being committed to leading a healthy lifestyle, fueled by beef, the single-ingredient protein source that leaves you satisfied and healthy. Go Team Beef! Brought to you by Montana Beef Producers and Checkoff Dollars. All right, thanks again for being here. Monday, I think we have open phones. I haven't got that quite scheduled yet. Jason DeShaw is going to join us on Tuesday. We'll talk about mental health, and uh, and, and maybe hopefully he'll he'll grab a guitar and play something for us as well. And and then Wednesday, Representative Brian Zinke will join us. Lots to talk about on his plate, too. Back here live at the annual convention and trade show here in Billings, Montana, Montana Stock Growers Association, and joined now by Colton Coffee. Uh, Colton is a manager of cattle, a coffee cattle company out of Mile. 
Miles City. Uh, I'm I'm calling him Doctor Coffee because uh, uh, you Juris Doctorate and Masters uh, in in Business. Good morning, uh, Doctor Coffee. How are you, sir? <laughs> well, good morning. I, I haven't been called Doctor before. It's kind of got a nice ring to it. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I'm willing to uh, go back to school for that, though. Well, okay, yeah, <laughs> maybe yeah. an honorary one at some point. We'll see. <laughs> um, so, um, uh, Colt. Uh, do you go by Colton or Colt? You know, either. I've answered to a lot worse. So <laughs> okay, I got gotcha. you. Doesn't yeah. matter to me. Yeah. Um, talk about M Bar Academy. What is this? And you were one of the the first um, attendants to that academy. Yeah. So the M Bar Academy is a leadership um, opportunity that uh, Stock Growers has has created, and it's geared more towards um, younger individuals. I think is is the idea to get. You know, younger people who are involved in agriculture, more involved in leadership positions and in outreach and just being an advocate for um, agriculture in general. And kind of the premise behind it, I think, is to get us exposed to these leadership roles. Um, we had a little bit of media training. As you can tell, it didn't work very well for me, but uh, <laughs> we had a little bit of that there. And Maybe they better double, double up on that. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they certainly yeah. should have done a little bit more of that Stop for me it. before uh, getting here. But... <laughs> Um, that was one of our first meetings. They've also exposed us to the legislature, um, which was really cool, just getting to see the ins and outs of that and really what stock growers does for producers in Montana. Um, just getting to see the impact that they have with our legislators at the state level. And hopefully, you know, that trickles through into a more yeah. national level. What kind of training is it? Because um, as, as noted here, Juris Doctorate and then also a Master's, you're, you're pretty educated. You've seen a lot of training here. Um, what did you learn? What was like, wow, how come uh, I've been around all these years and didn't know this about this industry? You know, I'd say that growing up, you, ju- you see the ranch. You see, you see the farming operation. You see the cattle, all of that. And as you get older, I, I wasn't in 4-H or FFA or anything like that, so I didn't really see more of the the education behind it mm-hmm. and I think that that's what's been so profound for me that's really opened my eyes is just the the higher level of the industry mm-hmm. of us you know getting involved in politics and us kind of working in the back rooms to try and create the really the community that we want yeah. and you know so many people just see farms and ranches and just think of, you know, okay, we got cowboys and that's kind of the end of it. Right. No one really thinks about, you know, us here in suit jackets and talking about policy. Suits and boots all yeah, over. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think that that's something that maybe we need to promote better that, mm-hmm. you know, we are professionals and we're here to do business and here to cultivate policy and to, you know, create an industry that is more impactful than just the ranch. Well, I think for a lot of years, I mean, the 139th annual here, um, uh, for, for a lot of years, uh, you, you didn't face, a, the only opposition you faced was the challenges for predation or market conditions or labor or things like that. Um, there wasn't a lot of policy that was inhibiting or getting in the way. The last 50 years or so, that's changed. There's now, uh, so getting engaged in that. Um, talk about how perhaps the the young generation gets engaged um, and and in a, an effective way what do you think would be effective well you know I think that there's a lot of different ways and it really comes down to what people are most comfortable with really um, 
through the NCBA, who I'm also working with, um, they've, they've really been promoting things through social media. It's kind of the cheapest way that you can reach the greatest audience. And I think that that's something that young, the younger generation has really taken to is this, you know, social media through Instagram, through TikTok, whatever. I'm terrible at it. So I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not the prime example there, but, um, I think that that's really a good way to showcase what it is that we do, what we provide, you know, what our values are, mm. and be able to expose people who are in big cities, not, not have never been exposed to agriculture before, um, getting them to understand who we are, what we stand for, and really what we're trying to do. Um, I think that that's probably one of the best ways. Of course, I think getting educated about these topics that, that are important, um, you know, right now, livestock management and the way that animals are handled and taken care of, taken care of. Um, is is pretty top of mind for consumers as well as then where their meat's coming from what's in their meat you know the nutrition behind it everything else I think that's all very important Um, and being educated on that is is paramount so that you can talk about it and be comfortable talking about it to people who aren't educated about it Um, but otherwise just just raising your hand and saying yes I think is is the way that young people will will really be able to move forward Um, and I think that that's something that a lot of people struggle with, and I, I know I certainly have. But um, well, and that's why we you have training programs, and you have that opportunity to for leadership programs. Fifteen attendance, eighteen months, sort of a commitment. Um, talk about more about this Embar Academy and, and what you got out of it. Yeah, so I I think what I've gotten out of it most is just meeting these different people oh, yeah. um, from all around the state, people who I otherwise probably would have never gotten the opportunity to meet um, just because you know we're not going to be working together without this and so that's really cool and now you know when I go to Helena I, I know I have people to call if I'm going to Bozeman I've got people to call if I'm going to Ekalaka I mean it, it, just, it just seems like there's people everywhere now and it's really just expanded my reach as far as you know who who I know where I'm going and on top of that if I have a question about this you know, pretty much any topic. I've got a professional that I can call and pick their brain, and they can give me the honest answer and yeah. make me a little bit smarter, hopefully, which <laughs> Lord knows I need. <laughs> um, so there is that that strong sense of community, isn't there? Uh, Absolutely, especially in, um, in in this industry. Uh, when we talk about getting the youth engaged in in this industry itself, is that an important part of it? Are they looking for that sense of community? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I think that that's part of the. What's, what's paramount? I mean, every time that we've gotten together, there's an aspect of team building. And it's, it's to get us comfortable, first of all, but then it's also just to make these lasting relationships where you are comfortable calling up somebody um, and just, you know, picking their brain, being vulnerable and saying, hey, I don't know. You know, can you help me out on this? Or is there is there some advice that you have for me or anything like that? And it could be as simple as, hey, we're going to try something new on the ranch. Or it could be, you know, I'm looking at a new supplement. What do you think about this? Have you tried that? Or one of the guys is a Nutrilix dealer. And so, I mean, he's perfect. To, I've been bouncing ideas off of him as far as what we could, you know, include in our herd. So, And they're always always willing to help. You manage the uh, coffee cattle company in Mile City. Um, how's that going? You know, it's going well. Um, it was an interesting year with all of the rain mm-hmm. and everything. You know, I don't think we've seen grass like this in quite some time. But that... that um, also has its consequences, you know, having this much rain. It definitely puts stress on um, the guys that I that I work with as yeah. far as farming and everything. I mean, yeah. made some of those, made some uh, some interesting hay bales this year, but uh, it's it's been good overall. It's it, having this open winter has been really a blessing too. What, what would be your thirty second pitch for people 
to sign up for the MBAR Academy or for the youth to be more interested in the ag industry? Oh, boy, that's going to be interesting. Um, you know, if you want to see change, you have to make it happen. And you can't just sit back and watch and hope that someday someone's going to read your mind and make the difference. Yeah. Instead, you've got to be the one that steps up and makes your voice be heard. And by doing, I think that MBAR is a perfect way to do that, or at least to get comfortable, to feel confident and strong enough to be able to make your voice be heard. Yeah, cool. I really appreciate that. Uh, thanks for your time here. Yeah, and thank uh, you. Um, look, at it. when you got things going on over there at the Coffee Cattle Company, you let me know, okay? Okay, absolutely. Yeah, appreciate that. That's Colton Coffee again uh, uh, with the Montana Stock Growers Association, a recent graduate of the MBAR Academy. That's going to do it. My thanks to all who were here. Cody Ross, our in-studio engineer. More to come from this convention from the Northern Egg network you have a super weekend i'll see you on monday thanks again for joining us for the podcast and join us daily monday through friday 9 a.m to 10 a.m for more voices of montana a live issue oriented talk show heard daily monday through friday 9 a.m to 10 a.m on local stations all across montana